guys, welcome back to Articulating BPD and Me. So for those who have listened to my episodes, um, you would know that it has been a while since I've last posted. Um, It's not that I haven't wanted to or I've dismissed this project or I've decided not to continue the podcast because that's not it at all. Um, It's been a while for a few reasons. Um, So as much as I found myself working through you know, finding out I had borderline and finding out I had bipolar type 2. Um, I think it's easy to forget that even if you do all the work, you aren't necessarily have the crisis. And I think it's been hard for me to accept that I've now been in crisis. So this state of emergency, of needing emergency medical care um, for over a year. So it's definitely been heartbreaking and soul-destroying and fatiguing, frustrating, any kind of adjective you can think of. It has been all of the above. To find myself back at what felt like square one, and I'm, I'm still probably only in square two right now, um... Yeah, you can definitely tell the tone of my voice is different. I'm quite nervous speaking on here again. I'm saying um a lot. So I think that is attributed to me losing that confidence, um, you know, feeling like I've lost a few steps back, being on meds, seeking help, eating healthy, exercising, meditating, keeping routine, and still not being able to manage symptoms and still struggling to make it through every day there hasn't been a moment and I say this with sincere honesty there hasn't been a moment in the last 12 months where I haven't thought about killing myself and that's the truth and that's the reality of mental illness so in a long-winded it's been a long-winded way of saying I'm sorry I left I am back I'm going to try and stay more present in my real life and on here and it's okay to feel like you've gone backwards mental health is just as real as physical health And I have to keep reminding myself of that. And I was seeing a psychotherapist recently who reminded me of that as well. You know, he said, it's like having a broken knee. You break your knee and everyone sees it. And you've got a solution, but you're not going to be able to run straight away. And it's the same thing with mental health. There's a part of you, there's a chemical imbalance for the most part. But there is a part of you due to childhood trauma due to experiences, adult trauma, emotional trauma, abuse that is just programmed differently and it's not just going to get better. You can't just run straight away. For me, that's a hard concept. I'm someone who is often trying to overachieve and fill my plate and do many tasks at once. Um, and I have had a few great successes in my life. I do, I do see that. 
but more so this just feels like another failure it feels like you've gone through this process of discovering all these things of figuring out the solution of fighting every day of staying alive for other people of hating yourself but still forcing yourself to be here and at the end of it all it's a year it's a year later and I'm still in the same position or what feels like the same position and it's really upsetting it's I cannot describe the emotional exhaustion and frustration I feel with myself which is just another added load to the shitty things I tell myself on an everyday basis so in today's episode um, we are going to be discussing symptom number eight which is issues with anger (laughs) Um, and I think a big part of the issues with anger with people with borderline is often not only outbursts of anger and switches in mood to an aggressive state towards others but also towards yourself and I'm very much in that state with myself you know there is not one thing that I can see myself doing and feels like a win and I'm trying to be good about it and I'm trying to journal all these things that I'm doing and it's so hard to read them all and still feel like you failed and not only being absolutely distraught with yourself and feeding yourself suicidal thoughts but most part for the most part in my case I am just fueled with anger toward myself anger for not being a better sister anger for not being a better employer, a better friend, a better godmother. You know, it is is definitely something I've always struggled with in both aspects, in outbursts and towards myself. So let's start with borderline personality and expressing anger towards yourself. As I kind of already mentioned, um... You spend a lot of time angry at yourself if you do have uh, this symptom of borderline. It's this consumption of rage uh, that's inexplicable. I tried to explain it to my colleagues recently because I have obviously had a huge change of attitude. They're obviously very aware of what I'm going through. And instead of being sad all the time, I was quite standoffish and quiet. And I try to explain what the rage felt like. And it feels like walking into a room and just seeing the colour red. And not physically being aware of who it is saying what. What emotions you have attached to that person. What environment you're in. Everything is this blur of white noise and fuzz. And it doesn't matter who it is. You know, it could be your best friend in the entire world. If they say the wrong thing to you in that moment, you are set off in a completely different way. You're not, you know, for me, I'm not in a depressive episode where I disassociate. I'm just like this immediate switch of, of like solitude of, I do not want to borrow you. Do not start me today. We're not 
friends today kind of situation. And this intense anger or short temper is often perceived as someone being hot-headed. That was something I was always described as as a kid. You know, Rochelle's just hot-headed, she's got a bit of temper, went to see the school psych, you know, in my younger years of primary school because I was a little bit short-tempered, a little bit aggressive towards other kids, but it wasn't and it's never been about outside people pissing me off. A lot of the time the trigger was me being so consumed in my self-anger and my self-hate that anything on the slightest that I could blame it on would get attacked. So this feeling of anger towards yourself, like I said, with this whole walking into a red room thing, that's what it is in your head. Your whole mind blurs and you were just beyond. (laughs) I have no other way of describing it besides every fiber of your entire being is on fire because you are that angry at yourself. You know, this is the kind of times where I go into anxiety kind of state where I am not crying or shaking or having a hard time breathing, but I am sweating and I am irritated and I'm fidgeting and I feel like any like noise is loud, anything, the drop of a pen will be it. That will be the last draw for me because I'm sitting there and while I'm silently stewing, I'm telling myself all these things, all these negative talks, this spiral, until I get to this stage where nothing matters. I have no connection to anyone else, let alone myself. And it does lead to suicidal thoughts and self-harm and all that kind of, all those kind of things that are associated with mental health. So, I mean, on the outside or towards others, it would be seen as explosive anger, I believe. Um, the way I project my anger towards others and myself are quite different. I mean, I'm not going to sit in my room and yell at myself, but I, I do, you know, sit in my room and feed myself all these things to be angry about. Like, hey, you didn't do this yesterday. What is wrong with you? You know, little tasks that you would get annoyed at another person for not completing, I constantly build up in my head until I go into silent mode and shut down and just stay consumed in this hot, sweaty mess, <laughs> essentially. Um, towards other people, I mean, this was something I was getting better with until I found myself in crisis and I have had such a short fuse, especially the last few weeks um, or months, which is why I haven't been on here. I've just found it really hard to concentrate and focus you know, the usual signs of being in a really low state for depression. Um, But yeah, as a kid, I would get called hot-headed. You know, at school, I kind of did this internalisation of rage quite often because I'd go from putting my hand up all the time to just sitting there and stewing. And I remember doing this in kindergarten, maybe even preschool, I think there was this this time where, you know, we had nap time and all the kids had to go to nap and I just didn't want to. I mean, I didn't really, teachers didn't really understand. <laughs> they thought I had um, ADD, they thought I had 
um, an attention issue, but it was a mood disorder, obviously, which we didn't know. I was quite young, but it was nap time. And, you know, I didn't want to nap. I wanted to go and study. I wanted to go read. I wanted to go do something um, because I felt like I was wasting time, which is insane. You know, I was five and not even four. And I thought napping was a waste of time, that I had to do something to show mummy and daddy when I got home. And so I went up to the teacher and said I didn't want to nap. I wanted, I wanted to read. I wanted to do something. I wanted homework. And they got really mad at me, you know. They tried to explain to me that I was young and, you know, I needed sleep, that it was important for my brain to grow, that all these kind of things that you tell a kid. And I just remember sitting there for the rest of the day, <laughs> pissed off and not speaking to the teacher and not speaking to my mum when she picked me up and not speaking to my brother who was at home excited to play with me. I just went to my room and just sat there angry. And obviously now I can look back at the situation and be like, hmm, that's not a normal child behaviour. Um, as can my mum, I've discussed all these kind of things, these small moments I had when I was a kid. Um, and she has also recognised, you know, that wasn't normal. Um, she's openly admitted she didn't really know how to handle it as a kid. She didn't know, really didn't know, you know, what that reaction was, what that reaction entailed her reaction to be. Um, there's no book on how to deal with a child with bipolar or borderline, let alone both. So, um, yeah, it started from a very young age. Um, so many times I remember just, you know, I was, I was a very respectful kid. I grew up with these cultures of being really respectful, but I would go from zero to a hundred real quick. That was a lame joke, but honestly, I, I can't describe it any other way. And you could talk to my family about this. And I got deemed the hot-headed one. You know, I grew up with a lot of cousins. There's 12 of us. And I was the hot-headed one. I'd be cool, calm and collected until something didn't go to in plan or something disturbed the way my mind was working. And I would flip out. And as a kid, I was quite aggressive. You know, I would scream and shout and you know, threaten things that I didn't even really understand. And it would be like this moment where I felt like I left my body and I didn't have control, which is what a lot of borderline is, not having control of your emotions. And I would get in trouble and I wouldn't care. The whole time I was in trouble, I felt like I deserved it. And I would sit there in my own self-fueled rage at myself and punish myself and beat my own brain up because I was that angry. So it was a two-way it was a two-way reaction for me. It's never been, oh, I just had a short fuse and would get yell at people and then get over it, um, which is generally what happens. You know, I get over it really quickly and funnily enough, a lot of my life, I was told, or oh, the statement, you're so bipolar, was used. Um... And that would, again, enrage me even more because I didn't understand why my reaction was invalid or why my reaction was necessarily happening. Um, and I think that's a, 
that's a statement we need to be more careful about um, because you know it's a reality it's something that is a reality for me it's something that obviously was a reality for me um, and obviously we're young and we don't understand and high school's a mean place so you also bipolar became the norm you know it became something that just got associated with me it, this negative connotation of someone who has no control of their emotion who just gets angry and wants to pick a fight for the sake of it that's not what's happening it's a battle that's constantly going on in that person's head and something has happened in their outside physical world outside of their mind that has triggered them to unleash all that rage you know it could be talking after I've asked you not to talk because I just have a headache and I would go from please don't talk to swearing and yelling and threatening and pushing to back to calm and you know it wasn't that I was necessarily angry that someone did something I didn't want them to do because that's how the world works people are going to do things that you don't want them to do all the time but it was that I had been trying to hold in all this anger towards myself that anything that became an outlet or something that I could push all this anger towards I would and I think I got a lot better with this as an adult um I think my aggression towards others came out in other ways though a lot of passive aggressiveness um a lot of things that you would experience in high school those petty little passive aggressive things you know they stuck with me for a while and I, I taught myself to grow out of that um not that I'm not a hot-headed person I'm just a lot better at stopping myself before reacting but over the last few months when I've been in a deep crisis again um, you know, that means a state where I do have to go to hospital and emergency rooms and all that kind of stuff. It has been a lot harder to hold that in. And I have made the office not only a shit environment for myself, but definitely the others around me. It's not, it's not a great feeling. You know, when you're already telling yourself you have a million and one reasons to kill yourself, adding that to the list is the last thing you need. So, that's why I disappeared. Um, you'll be happy to know. I hope most of you will be happy to know I am still alive. I'm still trying. I'm still trying to figure out this whole borderline bipolar major depressive thing. I'm still having episodes. I'm still figuring, in, figuring out how to deal with anger. Still trying to figure out how to feel. Feel just in general, feel most of the time, how to control what I feel. Not doing too well with those, but <laughs> we're still here. Um, there's only one more symptom after this, which is a pretty cool one. It's a pretty short one. Um, it's got to do with paranoia and like disassociation, which is a fun one for me and, and my friends. Um, and I will get some of them on the podcast soon enough to discuss what it's like from the other perspective of me disassociating yeah um but yeah I just wanted to start somewhere this was a really rusty rusty recording 
I think I said the word um about 60 times so should definitely play a drinking game with that if you are listening to this a second time through um see (laughs) no it's a very necessary part of me healing and I forgot how important it was for me to speak about this because I can't always speak to my friends about this or my therapist sometimes I just need to hear back what I'm saying seeing and kind of standing back outside of myself and really trying to figure it out as well as all of the above of course so if you are listening or still here with me thank you and I'll see you guys all soon